Well, I started every day in Mexico going for a walk. And it started every day with a walk along the beach. As I walked, I prayed for you. I prayed for you. In the course of 37 days, whatever it was, I uh, walked over 220 miles that would get me to Weyburn. Um, but I found it more exciting to be walking around that part of the world. Uh, I'd get home and I'd go sit on our deck and we always made breakfast for the birds. So this is breakfast at the Drizners morning after morning. And they kept on showing up and the crowd got bigger and bigger the longer we stayed. I suspect Friday morning was a bit of a shock to them. Went for, went for a walk and, you know, every once in a while you get a picture that uh, just turns out the way it's supposed to. And the dolphin jumped into the air at just the perfect time. Um, and uh, next picture. And then I walked a little further and uh, Donna was lusting after all those yachts. So I thought that's as close as she's going to get to them. So I took her picture with them. Uh, beautiful, uh, beautiful investment in some great boats, um, boats down there. Even uh, in uh, Mexico, couples don't agree on everything. Yeah, it's hard, hard to believe, but uh, next picture, that was the intro to that one. We attended a Super Bowl party in uh, a complex called the Containers. Containers. And this was started by uh, the Libert Libertad Ecclesia Freedom Church, the church we attend when we're down there, recognizing that uh, a lot of their people were unemployed and underemployed. And they just bought a bunch of containers and there's about eight or nine different restaurants in this place called the containers. And uh, he said, I'm taking you to the containers for the Super Bowl. This couple from their church was sitting a couple of tables over from us. Um, and he just kept ordering food from all nine restaurants. And uh, we just ate and ate and ate through the Super Bowl. And Donna went home and said, when I get home, we are only eating on Tuesdays now. Uh, we were so full um, after that night. Another night we went out to a next picture, a restaurant in Mexico and our host, uh, which was the guy who first got us introduced to church down there, uh, said, you need to order that. And I didn't know what that was. And that came to my table for my supper. And I looked at that and I said, I don't really know if I want to eat that. <laughs> but that is what he had recommended. So that is what I had for supper. And now let me, add, and you don't need to raise your hands here, but how many of you think you would want to eat that? 
probably quite a few of you wouldn't want to eat that, but here's the interesting part of this. That was really good. That was really, really, really good food. But my eyes said, my tradition said, my experience said, that is not something I want to eat, but that was good stuff. We make many decisions in life based on tradition and perspectives, uh, often with very little knowledge and information affecting or influencing the decision we're making. We just don't eat that because we don't eat stuff that looks like we don't agree with that. My mommy didn't agree with it. My daddy didn't agree with it. We just don't agree with that. This small book, 1 John chapter 4, or for first John is filled with four major ideas. Small book with four big ideas. And we're in the third section of those big ideas uh, tonight. Let's just review the sections. Uh, the reasons John has wrote, written this book. Number one, so that your joy may be full. God's plan for you is not to be a miserable person the rest of your life. He wants you to have full, perfect, complete joy. God wants you to know that. God wants you to discover that. Full, complete, perfect joy. Second reason John writes this book, chapter 2, verse number 1. I'm writing these things so that you may not sin. We have got comfortable with sin in the church. John writes this and says, I'm writing this to you so that you may not sin. And then the last reason he writes, so the third reason, we'll get to the last reason in a couple of months probably, but the third reason he writes this is to protect us from those who are trying to deceive us. Chapter 2 and verse number 26, I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. So in that section of the book, we read these verses tonight, 1 John chapter 4. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh has come for, is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming, and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. We are from God. Did you hear that? We are from God. Whoever 
knows God, listens to us. Whoever's not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Beloved, second beloved in these seven verses. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. More and more over the last 30 years, I've been hearing something that goes sort of like this. It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you believe something. It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you believe something. And I have heard people say that and then add something like this onto it. I mean, if it works for you, it must be true to you. Doesn't matter what you believe, as long as you believe something. Well, I have this to say to that tonight. That is sheer nonsense. That is sheer nonsense. I mean, you can stand at the edge of the Grand Canyon and say, I just believe that you can jump off the Grand Canyon and nothing bad will happen if I jump off the Grand Canyon and you can jump. And you can flap your arms all the way down. But when you hit the bottom, you're going to go splat. Oh, no, it won't happen to me. That's sheer nonsense. There are certain laws and truths that are just the way it are. You say, yeah, but that's true in science. Uh, it's, but it's not true about God. The problem with that, if you're saying that and are convinced of that, you have made or believe that God is somebody you've just made up in your imagination. And you have imagined this God out there who really is just there in whatever form you believed he's in. And you don't understand that God really is God. And God is sovereign but if you're God, you are sovereign. You're in control. You are in charge. And you can believe whatever you want about him, but the only thing that really matters is what God says about who he is, because that is the truth. And you can run against it. You can say, ah, I, I don't believe that. I, I believe other stuff. And we hear that kind of stuff more and more all the time. The truth of the matter is, you're walking in error. I don't, uh, I don't get too excited anymore when I hear people talking about Jesus. And I don't get very excited anymore when I hear people using the word gospel in their conversations. 
I don't even get all that excited when I hear people talking about receiving the Spirit. Because these words are being used, but they're not being used in keeping with truth. And the Apostle Paul warned us of that. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 11 and verse number four. If someone comes and proclaims another Jesus, so not everybody talking about Jesus is talking about Jesus. If someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaimed, or if you receive a different spirit, friends, not every spirit out there is of the Spirit of God. If someone comes and, and wants you to receive a different spirit, yikes. Or if you accept a different gospel, do you understand what's going on out there, friends? There's a different Jesus. There's another gospel. There's another spirit or spirits that are being dispersed. And you can't live in error and you can't gobble everything up that is being shared out there. We have to be deeply rooted and grounded in the truth. The truth. So don't get excited about everybody who comes to you and starts talking to you about Jesus. You need to listen really, really carefully and make sure it's not a different Jesus. They are talking about a different Jesus that they have formed according to their own imagination to fit into what they want God to be like. We uh, are all in a war. Ephesians chapter 6, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. We're all in that war. And it's really a spiritual war. It's a war of and for the spirit realm. And there are three elements to this war, and, and stick with me here because this is foundational to your understanding of what this portion is talking to us about. There's the spirit of God. It's the spirit of God. And then there are Ephesians 6, 12... Wicked spirits in heavenly places. So there's the Spirit of God, and there's also wicked spirits out there. And then in all of us, God has placed a spirit. We're tripartite beings, basic theology here, body, soul, and spirit. God is hungry. God is anxious. God longs for an intimate relationship with you where his spirit comes and takes up residence in your spirit and you live and you walk and you move and you breathe in fellowship with him. Spirit of wickedness. 
also wants to take up control in your life, spirit of the world, and rob and kill and destroy you. Now, nothing's advertised that way. It sounds like another gospel. Just receive another spirit. But it brings nothing but destruction. So what happens in war? And not wanting to be political and not and recognizing it's not wise to be political. I'll keep my comments general here. But I think we've seen it in the last two or three months. The first casualty of war, somebody has said, is truth. First casualty of war is truth. And truth ceases to be spoken. And there's this war going on out there for our spirit. There's a war going on to try to get control of our inner man. Uh, we're reminded to guard our hearts because out of it flows the issue of life. That's about guarding our spirit. Guard our Spirit, because out of it flows the issues of life. So we want our spirit to be under the direction and control and authority of the Spirit of God. We do not want our spirit under the control of the spirits of wickedness. So John here is is saying, you guys, verse number one, chapter four, need to test the spirits because there are wicked, deceptive spirits out there. I feel like I was preaching on that before I went away. But the scripture is full of those truths, and I could probably give you 20 verses here at least in the interest of uh, you having confidence that four or five verses are enough. Uh, we'll go to them in a minute, but here's the place we'll start. There are false apostles out there, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. There are people out there who everybody thinks, what a wonderful Christian evangelist. What a mighty prophet of God. But they're just disguising themselves. Just disguising themselves. And we shouldn't be shocked about that because Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Satan doesn't come in to tempt us and say, I'm here to destroy you. He makes everything seem wonderful, marvelous. There's falseness out there. First John chapter 2 and verse number 26. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 15. Be aware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. So what's the problem with these false prophets and all the false teaching? Do they come looking like wolves? No. They come looking like really nice sheep that you want to pet. False prophets. Mark chapter 
13, verse 22, false Christ talking about the end times. Mark 13 is the Matthew 24 of, of Mark, back to Mark 13, sorry. False Christs and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders to lead astray if possible the elect. These guys aren't, it's going to wear sheep's clothing. They're actually going to perform miracles or what appears to be miracles. There's false stuff out there. Uh, next verse, 2 Corinthians, I think we're at 11, verse 26. Paul's talking about everything he had to do, do in his ministry. I could have started five or six verses earlier, but uh, I just really wanted to point out the last thing on this is, I was on frequent journeys, talks about all the problems he had at the end, danger from false brothers. Danger from false brothers. And 1 Timothy 4, verse 1, uh, in case you forgot what we were talking about in January. The Spirit expressly says that in later times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. Enough foundation here, friends. Do you understand why John is so concerned here that we not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are from God? Because not every spirit out there is a spirit from God. Are you hearing me tonight? Not every spirit out there is from God. So for the last 10 days or so, I have read these seven verses over and over again in preparation for uh, this weekend. And I noticed uh, three kind of repeating interconnected thoughts in, uh, in these seven verses. So 1 John 4, verses 1 to 7. This shows up here uh, eight times. Spirit, spirits, capital S, spirit, 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 spirit. This is warning us here that there's a battle. spirit. There are evil spirits. There's the spirit of God. Not every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ uh, is really from Jesus. Uh, there's a spirit of antichrist out there, which is not confessing Jesus came from God, but still talking about Jesus. The second uh, repeating interconnecting thought and this was in there nine times, and I didn't catch it right away. From God, from God, not from God, from God, from the world, from the world, from God, is not, is, is from God, from God. So what is, what is John saying here? In testing the spirits, we have to be very careful in understanding and discerning where things are coming from. We have to be very discerning in terms of where things are coming from. 
And then the third one, which isn't as big, but it's central to this uh, portion. Uh, gone somewhere. There we are. Thank you, Trinity. False, false prophets, spirit of truth, spirit of error. So <laughs> you got to be careful what spirit you're listening to. You've got to know where things are coming from because some of it is truth and some of it is error. Some of it is truth and some of it is error. Never assume that every spiritual experience or demonstration of spiritual powers from God. Now that's not up on the screen, but if you're a note taker, you should write that down because it's important. Never assume that every spiritual experience or demonstration of spiritual power is from God. Ah, so what do we do? What do we do? We test the spirits. We test the spirits. Do not believe every spirit, chapter 4, verse 1, but test the spirits. So how do we do that? Well, remember that uh, John is writing these things so we do not get deceived. So how do we test the spirits? I'm going to give you six things tonight. And the first question, six questions you should ask in testing the spirits. First question is, how is what you are hearing affecting your relationship with God? How is what you are hearing affecting your relationship with God? 2 Corinthians 11, verses 3 and 4. 2 Corinthians 11, verses 3 and 4. I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaimed, or, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it. You're putting up with stuff you shouldn't be putting up with. How do you know this thing is not good for you? How do you know somebody you're hanging out with is not good for you? How do you discern this stuff? Well, it will be affecting your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. You won't be pursuing God the way you once were. You won't be hungering, longing, thirsting for more of him. The spirit isn't right. It's going to take away your appetite for him. There's going to be a decreasing desire for everything God has for you. So the first way you test the spirits is you honestly ask, how is what I'm hearing 
what I'm listening to affecting my relationship with God? The second question you need to use in testing the spirits is does the teaching cause you to think about yourself more or less? Does the teaching cause you to think about yourself more or less? You see, the whole problem with this evil spirit beginning to find its way into the world started with uh, the story in Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, verse number 1. Genesis 3, verse 1. The serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not any eat of any tree in the garden? <laughs> Where did the devil take Eve's eyes to? Thoughts to? To? Up till then, she just wanted to do what God wanted. Did he really say to you? Don't eat any, any tree in the garden. The serpent said to the woman, you, you, you will not surely die. Verse number four. One of the biggest indications that you're dealing with a spirit that is not rooted in God is it gets you thinking, uh, gets you thinking a whole lot uh, about yourself. What you want. I want to suggest to you <laughs> uh, no, it's not a suggestion, it's the truth. Christians should be the people in culture who hardly ever think about themselves. Christ gave up everything for us, and we are followers of him. Who put others and their needs ahead of our own needs. Is the teaching clearly confirmed in Scripture? Acts chapter 17 and verse number 11. Uh, the Berean Christians were more noble than those in Thessalonica. Don and I watch Amazing Race when we can, and Amazing Race was in the beautiful city of Thessalonica this week, and I said to myself, self, you've got to figure out how to get to Thessalonica. But these, uh, these people, uh, the Jews in Berea were more noble than the Thessalonican Christians. They received the world with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Be deeply committed, friends, to what God's Word says. And sometimes God's Word is going to be put in front of you and you're going to say, Oh, I don't like that. My mommy told me not to believe that. And 
don't reject stuff because it looks different than what you think it's supposed to look like. Examine, 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 examine the scriptures. Make sure that it's confirmed by God's word and not by tradition that says food is not supposed to look like that. I'm not eating that spiritual food. That's not what spiritual food's supposed to look like. Make sure it's clearly confirmed by the word of God. Fourth question you need to ask yourself in testing the spirits is, is the stuff that is getting into your heart increasing your love for others? Are gentleness, humility, and submission increasing? Or judgment, superiority, and the need to control on the rise? What's going on? It's what you're hearing, increasing your love for others and your concern for others, or your aching for others and their needs. Or you're getting increasingly arrogant and stubborn and self-centered. Fifthly, Uh, yeah, we should look at those verses. Sorry. Let's go back there. Sorry. Go back to the... Uh, okay. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and who is ever, whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. And we memorize this verse, 1 John 3, verse 16, in the New Living Translation. Uh, bring it up now. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. That's what real love is, friends. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. I'm grateful that after 45 years of marriage, I think I'm finally beginning to figure out that my life is about giving up my life for my wife. Why does it take 45 years? Real love is, give, is what Jesus did. He gave up his life for us, so ought we also to give up our lives for our brothers and, and sisters. Good. Glad I didn't miss those verses. Number five. How much do you really know the teacher individual you are letting speak into your life? 1 John chapter 4 and uh, verse number uh, 6. John says, hey, you guys, we are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen. John is just, he's confused here. You guys are listening to all kinds of voices out there. All kinds of voices. <laughs> And we're here with you. We walked with Jesus for three years. We listened to him face to face. We touched him. We followed him around. And you've started to listen to all these other voices. And friends, in testing the spirits, you need to really ask the question, how well do I really know the teacher I'm letting speak into my life? Well, he's on the web. He must be real. 
Well, how do you know he's real? Well, the web told me he's real. New York Times reports that 50,000 PhDs are bought every year. Bought. How well do you know who you're really listening to? How well do you really know who you're letting speak into your life? There's a lot of crying pastors in the world right now who's wondered what's happened. They've worked and ministered among their congregation for years, some of them for decades. And they know them and they know their lives and they know their commitment to the Word of God. And nobody will listen. Their congregation won't listen to them anymore. They're listening to guys who are on the whatever. How well do you really know the teacher you're letting speak into your life? It's part of walking wisely in God. Do not believe every spirit. Test the spirits. And lastly, what are you learning? Oh, no, I want to read that verse. That's a great verse. Sorry. Matthew 7, 15, the message. Be wary of false preachers who smile a lot, dripping with practice sincerity. Chances are they're out to rip you off some way or other. Don't be impressed with charisma. Look for character. Number six. What are you learning about Jesus? What are you learning about Jesus? First John chapter four and verse two. By this, you know, the spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. This was this was the the big argument of the that John was writing to. We talked about it many months ago. Gnosticism. Jesus didn't really care. He's just a spirit. What are they saying to you about Jesus? And I would suggest to you that maybe things have flipped the other way now. And we've emphasized so much that Jesus has come and is a, is a spirit that we've forgotten he actually came in the flesh and lived amongst us and depended on the instruction of the Father and the touch and blessing of the Spirit of God on his life. What are they saying about Jesus? You need to be paying a lot of attention to that. So there's six questions uh, to help you test the spirits. We live in in dark and in difficult times. And friends, we dare not, must not, cannot be gullible people. Cannot be. We have to be people <laughs> who are committed to God's word and will test the spirits. We've got to hide God's word in our hearts. That's the thing that will keep us from getting messed up. The memory verse of this month It's the thing that will keep us from sin. We've got to know God's word. So as the worship band comes, 
We're going to ask them to just uh, strum a little bit in the background for for a couple of minutes. And as they play, as they strum in the background, sorry, Trinity, can you bring those questions up again? I just want us to stand across this sanctuary and then Evan and the team will lead us in in some songs, but I just want us to stand across this sanctuary and I want us to, to look at those questions and think about them and and think about your own life. How's what you've been listening to over the last year or the last two years, whatever, the last three years, affecting your relationship with God? How have the people you've been hanging out with been affecting your relationship with God? Are they increasing your devotion to Christ or are they kind of making you drift and wander a bit? thinking about yourself more or less you're thinking about yourself a whole lot more you've somehow got connected to a spirit that's not of God are you taking time to find out what the Bible really says are you more loving than you used to be and friends listen to me here and and, and I'm not preaching this out of any insecurity on my own part or any feeling like nobody's listening to me when I speak. There's none of that in my heart at all. But friends, we have to be careful online listening in plays too. We have to be careful to make sure we know who we are really listening to. And then what are you learning about Jesus? So just for a couple of minutes, just let the Spirit of God speak to you.